0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the King Fu Podcast. The King Fu podcast, we discuss African football with an Egyptian flavor. Marawan Ahmad and Yusuf Al-Hadidi. Welcome on board, boys. Hi, Omar.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Today, we'll be mainly covering the Champions League final, analyzing the return leg in Casablanca, where Al-Widad managed to snatch a 1-0 win and ended up winning the tie 2-1 on aggregate. It was a very um, tactical game, very uh, balanced between both sides. Um, but ultimately, Al-Widad came up on top and managed to win their second CAF Champions League title. Yusuf, you were there in the stadium for the for the home leg. Many people were talking about that Al-Ahli really lost the tie by not winning in the first leg. Do you feel so? And do you think that the first leg really hindered al Ahli's chances to, to kill the tie? Uh,
1: yes, that was the general feeling when uh, Mughal Arab in the last 10 minutes of the match and even... Uh, on the way home. Everyone noticed how uh, with that we were very tactically organized in the defense and how they are good uh, in striking uh, very fast counters, especially with uh, having Ben Sharqi. This, uh, this was a general feeling. People were not optimistic, much, much less than maybe 2012 or 07. There was still some hope, but it didn't happen, unfortunately.
0: Okay, and um, from your own point of view, what do you think went wrong for Al-Ahli throughout both ties?
1: Uh, I believe it's um, a bit of lack in individual talent. For example, um, you'd see players hovering out the um, penalty area without without an, someone me, making an exceptional move or a smart pass or an exceptional uh, shot from uh, way out. There's nothing creative, especially since Abdullah Said lost his form in the African Cup of Nations. He's been has not been there since then. Uh, Salah Koma is injured. Then, uh, as well, as you know, the front line was with, with Azdaro, Ajayi, and uh, Ali Sriman, and Wam Zakaria. There's a bit of lack in, let's say, solutions to break uh, deadlock defenses. Maron,
0: do you think al Wedad were rightfully? crowned as Cap Champions League champions or do you think that really Al Ahli was the better team but maybe with the wrong approach or maybe with slightly being unlucky they didn't
2: get to lift the title for the ninth time? I think Widad really deserved to win the title. I mean, if al Ahly or Widad won it, they both deserved it. So it was down to two games and how well they performed. But overall, if you look at the paths of uh, both teams, Widad played, knocked out the uh, last season's champions. So, uh, Mohamed sent out and played against Yusam al al Ahly uh, played against two t- tough uh, Tunisian teams, the de Sahel and Desperance the, the other. So, whoever could have won it, it would have been a 100% deserved title for them. Uh, and uh, it was down to uh, Widad to win After all, Al-Ahli ruled their missed chances and obviously the result in Burk Al-Arab played a very, very big factor that many could already feel before they went into the second leg. But on the night, Widad managed to play out how they want to play and force Al-Ahli to a draw, then win at home.
0: All right. Yusuf, we've seen in the return leg, Badri mainly opted for a 4-1-3-2 system. Ajay was pretty much playing next to Walid Azharu in the first half with Abdullah Saeed uh, shifting slightly to the left side. I personally felt that the system was not only new to the players, but was a bit unbalanced and Al-Ahli resorted to long balls to try to beat the compactness of the Widad defence. But you think Al-Badri used this approach because he felt this was the correct approach to to beat the Widad and their defensive approach? Or he thought this is the best that I can do with the crop of talent that I have right now and there is no use of trying to maybe play
1: short Um... passes? I believe that al-Badri had this idea that uh, Ali in the recent years used to win you know, using the um, the strong mentality of the players. So he, the main idea was push forward, play long balls, and something would come like in 2014 against Steve when Ali was playing an awful match and they might clinched the draw. I believe this is the uh, scenario al-Badri was looking for. There wasn't a solid plan. For example, I didn't see Mohamed Haney or Sinis side moving from the flanks or cutting inside. I didn't see uh, Abdullah side having a chance to maybe try a shot from the outside area. I didn't see a Jaye breaking. I didn't see any tactical thing going on. I just saw like trying long balls and nothing coming. So Al-Badri was waiting for something miraculous to happen. All right, Marawan, do
0: you agree with Youssef on, on this point? Because I've seen many arguing that Al-Ahli's performance over the two legs, it's Al-Badri's fault with his approach for both games. So others were arguing that it's the best that these players can offer for al Ahly right now. They're way too far in terms of talent to compare to the golden generation of al Ahly, which dominated Africa and Egypt. And Al-Badri is doing a good job. Which Which side are you leaning more towards? Our main problem over the
2: years was always comparing the Egyptian national team to the current, from, from 2013 till 2017 until now, or even before that from even 2011 to the generation that won three uh, Africa Nations on the trot. Another uh, problem that we have is also comparing the at club level for Al ahli and comparing them to the past generations and. Big teams always Somehow find a way To uh, regenerate their squad To find new players That can uh, achieve their targets And uh, for, for, for everything to live on And that's what uh, A team like Al-Ahli For example Have done for for, uh, for many years uh, uh, Without uh, anyone uh, Having the ability To stop them And it's not the first time That Al-Ahli Have had a regeneration Of players And uh, it just takes time I agree maybe the players at the moment are less talented, but uh, you don't ha- you don't find everything given to you on a on a plate. Also, some of the injuries, uh, the absences that uh, hit Al Ahly uh, prior to the match as well didn't help out as much. But I don't think we should pin it on that reason alone. There were many circumstances that could have affected the match, and that was one of the circumstances.
1: Um, I want to comment on that point. I, um, I believe there were some. Um... The talents are there. For example, Lali had at some point Ramon Alonso and Evona and Trizzi uh, and also Gazi for in the defense who you just bought. There. They're coming from the uh, youth teams. At some point, Lali um, turned into an IX team who sells players uh, for uh, for cash, and this affected the team. For example, Alonso or Trizzi would have uh, gave some something for tomorrow uh, for uh, this match.
2: Um,
1: I agree with you, Yusuf, that uh, there
2: were uh, very talented players that could have uh, had an effect on uh, Al-Ahli, but uh, you have to look at it from this perspective. The club is not just a sporting club, but it's also a business. The deals that came in for Al-Ahli, for those players... Uh, they were very, very hard to excuse. I mean, Ramadan so pay 6 million sterling. uh 8 million US dollars. Uh, Mahmoud Hassan, 3 million euros. You have to look at it from a commercial aspect as well so we can justify their sale from a commercial aspect and it benefited uh, Al-Ahli Bikta and This is how the, the, the clubs look at it. It's not just the sporting factor, but the commercial factor as well as, is as
1: important. I, I completely agree, but at some point, they should like a balance. For for example, sell a player and like sell Ramadan, and keep Trezeguet. Uh, like, they should also look for uh, success in the tournament. Especially in Africa.
2: Remember that the first deal that came
1: in for Ramadan Sofi was worth
2: two million, but Al Ahly were very smart and they negotiated to triple the the, the the amount that was first offered. So I don't see how you can uh, blame the club. And we've seen there there a big issue with. Uh, with the, the, their former sponsor that's now uh, demanding over 100 million uh, Egyptian pounds after their, their lawsuit and they won it. You, you can't blame uh, the board for uh, the sales. The lawsuit, they, it was for um, over 100 uh, million uh, Egyptian pounds. And if they hadn't sold those players for uh, for almost uh, as much or, or more than that... Uh, maybe al Ahly would have been facing much problems. I mean, they use this money to give the players their salaries, their bonuses, their travel expenses and such. Uh, I mean, at one point, al Ahly stayed uh, one week in Tunisia because they had the ability to do it. And I think the preparations were as well affected by the, the, the presence of a big amount of cash in the club. Uh, and it's beneficial. So you have to look at it from both
1: sides. Just on this point, um, the thing with the al uh, low- Sults for against the board for the uh, challenge. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's practically the board's fault. But may that needs a whole uh, other podcast to discuss. But uh, just for the record, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think also um, before we move on, maybe to another point, we also have to mention that Al Ahly have been successfully replacing the players uh, who left, and Al Ahly also had a bad. Uh, track record with uh, recruiting players um, from Africa maybe with the exception of uh, Gilberto and Flavio but we've seen um, they've brought in Ivona, who have been a success and then they've sold him for more than triple the money actually that they've bought him in and brought Koulibaly who was a success up until the um, infamous incident. I think Al-Ahli are starting to also improve in terms of uh, scouting African players. Also Ali Ma'loul uh, he's a foreigner at the end of the day, and he's been a uh, top hit in the league and in the um, Champions League also. But since we are in the topic um, of Al-Ahli, um, Youssef, it's technically a start of a new season for Al-Ahli. Al-Ahli have only played three league games so far, and they've got a lot of postponed games to catch up with the rest of the competition. What would you like to see change for Al-Ahli? Would it be the, the tactical approach introduction of new players and if so who give me
1: your thoughts on this i think i needs more um, food, good footballers i mean people uh, players who could, could add creativity for the team i believe shem Mohammed. i liked what i've seen from him in muhassan the had a few minutes he played with Al-Ahli. he showed uh, the willing to play um, forward and play some uh, good through balls i, uh, I also believe salah goma needs to be a starter mainly i believe that i should go with the uh, 4-3 formation uh, with Saleh Goma in the middle, uh, with Hussam Ashour and Shem Muhammad. for now, I think Lahiri is stuck with uh, Zoro. Uh, I don't believe there's any other option. Uh, also, the 4-3-3 formation would allow uh, Lahri to use uh, um, the flanks. There is more um, coverage for the wings in this formation, so I... Malou would have a lot of uh, chances to come forward and make uh, good crosses or cut inside uh, yeah, I believe that needs more, uh, more creativity, more um, more people thinking out of the box because um, I don't like the classic approach, the approach of Al-Ahli this season for, so far as with Hussam badri and this is what was my main problem with Hussam badri coming back to Al-Ahli, it's always a classic approach there is nothing creative in the team
2: Marawan, um, what are your thoughts on this matter? I think uh, playing the domestic matches are much more easier than playing the African matches. You play uh, opposition that you already have information about and face them before. Uh, Al-Ahli also brought in uh, recruitments that were successful uh, in the league, uh, like Isha Muhammad, Ahmad Sheikh, Islam Muharib, uh, who's also yet to get a chance and he's a very, very good player. I think these players will get a chance in the coming period. There, there will be many matches and they can have their chance. Obviously, the the the, the matches that are uh, delayed, that's an issue because it kind of... Uh, uh, ruins the smooth flow of the league. And, and we know the last season, for example, we had 10 months uh, to play the, the whole league, which was uh, quite uh, disturbing. 10 months and uh, spread on to 11 because of the cup. Uh, but but now we have less time because the World Cup is coming in. So I'm not sure how Al-Ahri will balance it out. Uh, uh, this time there would be a lot of matches to be played in a, on a tight schedule. And uh, we know that the Egyptians uh, are not very... Uh, famous for their ability to play many matches in, in a short time for example and uh, we've seen that with the national team we've seen that with the clubs as well uh, so uh, it's all about rotation the coming period for Al-Ahli. Uh, thankfully they have a, a big squad uh, and uh, they still have the the, the winter uh, window or coming in January to recruit uh, more players uh, but they do have the players that were successful in their previous teams in the league and they should uh, be able to get a chance uh, they got the South African uh, player Malambi uh, and they have the, the previous players like I said uh, so some players that are, are in need of a much needed rest like Abdullah Said, for example will will have his time to rest for the World Cup. All right there's only
0: one more point that i like to touch on before we shortly discuss the upcoming game for the national team against Ghana, which is Hossem El badri This man has returned to Al-Ahli for the third time. He has managed to win the league unbeaten. He has managed to win the cup, the Egyptian cup, which Al-Ahli hasn't won for the past 10 years. And he has managed to reach the um, CAF Champions League final um, with Al-Ahli for the first time since 2013. And yet we see a huge group of the fans not supporting him, asking him to leave, so on and so forth. Yusuf, what are your thoughts on, on this? Like Maybe, maybe some, some people will describe his style as passive or um, lament the lack of creativity in his style. But would we really ask a manager who was one match shy of a treble to, to be sacked?
1: But uh, tactically, for me, um Ahly, الاهلي, um, team now uh, should easily walk uh, walk the Egyptian Premier League and the uh, and the Cup. For example, uh, compare the squads with the uh, squads Martin Yold had or Garido or even Fatih Mabu. The, uh, the yeah. defense stands Sad, Samir, Rami, Rabia, Ahmed, Fatih, Ali, Malou. This is like a national team squad, uh, national team defense. They should be able to walk. The Egyptian uh, Premier League and the Cup, but for the African competitions, uh, there's much need for creativity. I I believe this is the main problem. Uh, walking, Walking the Egyptian league now, the Egyptian league is suffering since 2011, since the revolution. It's been so long for in that state. No, no teams are, um, none of the teams are of good quality, except at times Zamaic tried to compete. But uh, Egyptian Premier League now is not a a, a test or not a competition. And um, I believe that Al-Badri once, only one match in this third third region that proved him as a good coach, which is at was the Sahel in uh, in the semi final. But then it was ruined and nothing happened then. That's the African competitions and for now it's a failure. It's a failure. I don't believe he'll continue the next uh, season, especially of, uh, if the board change. who knows what will happen, but I believe that needs uh, a good another coach maybe I believe getting martin Yon back would be a great option with the team okay and
2: uh, marwan do you agree with Yusuf let me just uh, comment on that Martin Yol bit. Uh, Martin Yol left Al-Ahli. He said that he left for security reasons because the fans were at the training session. So I don't know why Al-Ahli fans would want him back. The, the second comment is that Martin Yole used to make 180,000 US dollars per month. So I'm not sure that uh, he will, uh, let Al-Ahli have the, the funds now to pay him after the, the flotation of the uh, of the pound. Like like, uh, like you said, I mean, he was one match away from a historic treble. I think uh, many uh, would have changed their views on the, the manager and uh, the board if he had won uh, the, the title. Uh, he won the, the cup after 10 years. Uh, he won uh, the league uh, after uh, Jamalik uh, showed uh, Egypt as whole well, uh, that they were a threat and they were coming in uh, uh, fast. Uh, Makassar also challenged for a bit the last season, uh, but he managed to ward off all the, the, the offenses from, from those teams. I mean, he, he won the league uh, without, a, without a loss, so I'm not sure why the uh, Ahli fans would uh, would be hesitant uh, to, to keep this man uh, in his job uh, at the moment, uh, but uh, a team like Al Ahli always uh, has a main goal before the start of the season, which is to win uh, the African competition, and that's understandable, seeing that uh, they've won the league uh, too many times over the, the past uh, years. And uh, this is why uh, they might consider uh, that winning the the the, the league is somewhat ch- kind of normal. Uh, it's not it's not just Al Ahly that we've seen this issue with. I mean, we've seen it as well in big teams such as Bayern Munich, for example, uh, because they won also they won the league uh, too many times. Uh, Dortmund came in and uh, caused some kind of threat, uh, but their main goal was to win the Champions League, and this is very similar to what Al Ahly. Uh, are are always aiming for. Yes, uh, Hossein al-Badri might have gotten uh, a lot of mixed opinions from the fans. We also have in Egypt this thing where we always think that the foreign manager is uh, better than the domestic uh, manager, which might be uh, a big issue uh, because uh, we saw that the foreign manager, for example, did not succeed much with the Egyptian national team as much as Hassan Shahedah was the local coach. Uh, I mean, Bob Bradley struggled after uh, So it's not always that we have to get a a foreign manager to win uh, titles. Okay, and with that, we
0: end um, our first section of this episode. We'll be right back discussing the upcoming egypt versus ghana game in the
1: world cup qualifiers and we're back
0: for the second section of um, today's episode we'll be shortly talking right now about the um upcoming Egypt versus Ghana World Cup qualifier. As you all know, Egypt have already made it for uh, to the World Cup. So it's pretty much international um, friendly. Cooper has opted to not call up um, Mohamed Salah. And it was mentioned that the player needed a well-earned rest. We discussed that Cooper can or should call up some new names in order to maybe try them in... Um, a very tough environment away at Ghana. But we've we've seen the usual suspects. um, Marawan, um do you agree with, with Cooper's selection overall? Or do you think that um, a major shake-up was needed for this game specifically?
2: You know, sometimes I fail to understand how Cooper uh, perceives things. Because, like you said, this match is uh, merely any... Uh, will cause any competition for the team. They're playing just because it's a uh, formality and they need to play it. Uh, yes, Egypt do need to avenge that loss in Kumasi uh, four years ago. But again, there was no uh, inclusions from uh, different teams other than Ahli and Zamalek uh, uh, Much, it was very uh, confusing for me as to why he didn't even give them the chance. I mean, take them at least to camp. You don't need to play them. But take them to camp. Watch... Uh, other players uh, see how they perform maybe maybe you will find someone good enough for the team uh, that might help in russia but he didn't do that and it seems that he's set already set on uh, on who he's taking to russia and uh, which is uh, quite confusing to me because this was a good chance to uh, take some players he also named the squad before the game against uh, emirates uh, the friendly match against emirates if i recall was cancelled i mean you're playing a friendly against emirates why do you need a full team uh, why don't you try uh, other players as if uh, he doesn't watch his other teams from the league but he keeps getting the results and for, for, for a big part of it uh, that's what matters but uh, the Egyptian people want to see as well uh, differences uh, they want to see a performance they want to see uh, different selections different chances given to the players but unfortunately that, that was not there and I, uh, I don't think even in March when the people the calendar comes up again and we have a Another, another few matches uh, it will change much
0: Yusuf um, how do you feel about Cooper's um, approach for this um, game specifically and we've also seen that he did call up Abela who was having arguably a very good season in Saudi Arabia. But initially, Shekabala wasn't on the list. And after the the discussion happened between Cooper and Mohammed Salah, and they um, they agreed that uh, Salah shouldn't be at the game and and should rest. Abela was eventually called up. I'm touching on the point of Shekabala because a lot of people have been. Mentioning his name um, after the recent performances in Saudi Arabia. But at the end of the day, Sheikabala is a white playmaker who performs best when he cuts in from the right side of the field, which is basically the Muhammad Salah position. Yes. So at the World Cup and in the upcoming friendlies, would it be wise to, to like, this position is already stacked. We've got Muhammad Salah, we've got Sheikabala right now. We've got um, Mustafa Fathi who plays
1: um, there and is usually called up. And we we'll move tried again Ramadan at times to the, this yes. too. Do you think this is
0: good headache for, for Cooper or this is too much of a selection
1: problem for Cooper? Surpre- uh, surprisingly, I agree with Cooper's selection. The main reason I believe that Cooper uh, is already settled with the main frame of the players he's taking to the World Cup. So uh, if, if we're adding play, players, we need to see them in the, with the other players. For example, I, um, I, um, I love the choice of Amri Mare. Amri Mare is, um, is a very good choice for a Cooper system. Um, I want them to see him playing with Abdullah Saeed if he's playing the World Cup with JZG. Gay. With, um, Salah is unavailable for now, but it's okay for with Ninja, with Tora um, I want uh, Amri Mare to be in the system. Uh, also, Shikabala is um, a good option who could play, um, could provide a substitute for uh, Abdullah Saeed because um, Shikabala is one of the very few players who could play in the uh, number 10, classic number 10 playmaker position. Although it's not his main position, but he played it at many points in his career and uh, he is successful in this position. So, um, actually, I believe that Cooper made a good choice by taking his main team to, the, to Ghana alongside some additions. Uh, however, I believe that some players need to start. For example, uh, Sam Morsi needs to have uh, get his chance. Uh, maybe a different goalkeeper. Probably Shinoi as a Kromi. Kromi's form has been awful for uh, as far as I can remember. But uh, having the main frame of the team with a few additions, especially for me, the Omri Marei, um, I believe is uh, the right choice. Amr Marey has
0: earned a call-up maybe after um, his performances um, in the CAF Champions League, especially against Ahli Toroblos. But he, he, to be honest, he has um, faded away since. On the other hand, Amr, uh, Amr Gamal is ruling the uh, South African League. He's been constantly scoring and he's been... Giving Cooper um, a strong headache, Marwan, um for the selection, maybe not for this game particularly, but for the um, for the World Cup. Also, we've seen uh, Marawan Mohsen is uh, is currently returning to to training uh, with Al Ahly. He's expected to be to start featuring in games maybe by the end of November. Cuka is having a good season in Portugal. You think the um, does this pile pressure on uh, on Cooper, especially especially that this position has been constantly underwhelming uh, uh, since Cooper has arrived uh, in Egypt.
2: Gamal has done quite well. In South Africa, we we didn't expect him to settle in this, this fast with the team and it's been a uh, team of Amr Gamal and 10 other players uh, as many, many uh, South Africans uh, claimed it to have been. Uh, but he joined a good team. Uh, they were the league champions and uh, now he's in a, he's, he's gaining confidence and, uh, and his goals uh, prove that uh, he might be uh, a good option for Egypt now since he's back in form. You have to feel that somehow uh, Cooper called up uh, Amr Mar'i and shikabela after the calls by, by the public. He didn't include shikabela in his uh, first uh, list. Uh, then he, he he called them up uh, as an uh, exception. After that, uh, there were a lot of big calls for Amr Mar'i after he scored two goals in the Champions League and uh, he was called up straight after. I mean, uh, it gives you the kind of sense that... Uh, the that the national team is very much uh the national team staff is very much uh affected by the calls by the public uh, for the players to be called up. And, and uh, that's really not a good thing if you're looking at it uh t- technically, because uh, a manager should already know who he's going to call up and and watch all the players available to have more options. But he makes it seem like he's calling the players after there's pressure from the fans. That's not a good thing, in my opinion. But Amr Gamal, he's, uh, he's now fit enough to start for the for the Egyptian uh, national team. Ahmed Hassan Kouk has not had a great time and I don't think that the Egyptians uh, have uh, much options uh, instead of uh, Gamal. Okay, and
0: um, with that, we end this episode. Stay tuned for the next episode where we'll be analyzing the Egypt versus uh, Juana game. Hopefully, Cooper would give us some sort of maybe new tactical approach new players that we would spend some time talking about next episode but until then goodbye